0: Packaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. This guest is somebody I've been waiting for probably since I started the show. I'm so excited to introduce my friend Taylor Lowen, who is a Portland General Manager for Ridwell. Hi, Taylor. How are you?
1: Hi, Corey. I am. I'm doing well. How about yourself today?
0: great. I'm a huge fan of Ridwell. I think I've probably mentioned Ridwell in uh, almost every episode of this podcast. (laughs) Uh, So I'm so thankful that you took some time to be on the show.
1: Well, and I think one thing that's just awesome about Ridwell is because anybody can use the service. It's, you know, I've gone to the dentist, my dentist knows who it is. I think it's becoming a household name as people are becoming engaged with Ridwell and learning more about what we do.
0: Yes. Well, Tell us about yourself first. How did you end up in the recycling industry?
1: Sure. So, you know, I'm somebody who has really just a history of trying to make a positive impact in the world around me in any way that I can. I'm trying to figure out what area to focus in on. So somebody who right after graduation jumped into political campaign work, doing campaign work on behalf of nonprofits, including several that had environmental initiatives. So working on everything issues for Planned Parenthood and Action Fund, but also doing a lot of work for behalf of groups like the Nature Conservancy, or the Sierra Club, uh, the California League of Conservation Voters. And since then have worked in a wide variety of nonprofits, everything from working in supportive housing for formerly homeless residents of histories of mental health and substance abuse to working with a, a nursing school here in Portland, uh, the Linfield Nursing School. And, you know, really, when I was looking at that next career jump, I wanted to find something that to benefit nonprofits and local community organizations, but would also get to the heart of one of those big issues I cared about, such as helping protect our environment. So Ridwell is a perfect mix. You know, yeah. we get to divert waste in the landfill. And on an ongoing basis, our featured category changes every two weeks and goes to local community partners right here in Portland. So a really great local impact delivered.
0: I do love that bag. So let's let's explain what Ridwell Does. And let's try to do a little history of Ridwell. Can you tell tell us who started the company, who who came up with the concept? It's totally innovative and I'm excited to talk about.
1: Absolutely. So we got started with Ryan Metzger, who is our CEO, and he had a room in his house, which I think a lot of people in America have, which is kind of like the get rid of stuff room, stockpiling items that he, you know, just felt guilty throwing away but wasn't quite sure what the proper reuse or recycling disposal would be of it. And he had a weekend project with his son, Owen, who I believe was six at the time, tasked with getting some of these things out of his house and was incredibly frustrated. You know, this big cache of batteries and had to call three or four locations to even find one place where you could drive to to drop off batteries. And everybody knows we don't want batteries to go in our trash or can go into landfills and mercury in our water. Uh, So, you know, thinking it should be easier. So when he found a place, he asked all of his neighbors if they had items. Many responded. And he got such a great response. He continued to do that. He continued to reach out locally to his community and his neighbors and say, hey, I'm dropping off a big load of plastic film. I have space in my car or holiday lights that are broken. And it became this kind of recycling carpool that had up to, I think, over 4,000 people involved in the local Seattle area. And that is when he thought, there's not only a need here but there's a potential business opportunity. People want to do the right thing and often don't have the time to do all the research and drive around and find these places. So that's the kind of Genesis origin story of Ridwell back in late 2018. And at first he was doing PowerPoint presentations in people's living rooms and talking about this as a business service. And now between Seattle, Portland, and Denver, we have over 45,000 Ridwell members and have diverted over close to 3 million pounds of waste from the landfill.
0: Wow. 45,000 members?
1: Yep, correct. About 18,000 in the Portland metro area.
0: And how much waste has been diverted? Close
1: to 3 million pounds. Wow.
0: Well done. So I'm a customer as well. I'm a huge fan and a customer. So what, what happens is you go online, you sign up, you get a metal box that they put on your front porch. And it says Ridwell on it, It has a hinged lid, and it is a receptacle for your once a week Ridwell pickup. And they will always take overwrap plastics, things like that, things that would would have been a store drop-off plastic, mostly the uh, low-density polyethylenes, number four plastics, things like that, the overwrap for a, a case of Coke or something like that. Those films are taken every week. But like you said, you have a featured item weekly. Can you tell us about that? How does that process, who who decides that? What, what happens there?
1: Right. So, you know, we have our core categories, as you mentioned. So one of them is that plastic film, which is really like any stretchy, flexible plastic. So tons of Amazon mailers, bubble wrap, saran wrap, Ziploc bags. We also do a couple more core categories, things like batteries and light bulbs, also any clothing and either Poor condition or good condition. Clothes that have tons of rips in them are actually turned into cleaning rags, which is really cool, given a new life and purpose there. And then we have this fifth category, and it changes every two weeks featured category. It's my absolute favorite. And really, each market leadership decides what those categories are. But I will say the vast majority of the categories we do are not because I personally, as a general manager, thought it was a good idea. It's because local community members have been writing to us by the hundreds saying, have you talked to this nonprofit yet? Or do you have a good solution for this issue? I have so many of this item in my house. So mm-hmm. topics could include eyeglasses or both wearing eyeglass frames, Corey. I had four in my house from old prescriptions, but I just couldn't bring myself to throw away the frames, didn't know what to do with them. So we've worked with a great community partner that knocks out the lenses, puts new ones in and gives them to underserved. We're currently working with Birch Community Services and they are awesome. I don't know if you're familiar with Birch They work primarily with stores to help keep food from going to landfill. You know, typically when you have a store and you get new uh, products in, even if the old products are not expired, you have to throw them away because you need to make space. So they take all the product from a lot of local grocery stores here that are still not expired but are going to be taken off the shelves and work with about 70 food banks around the Portland metro area. So we're, we're picking up Halloween candy for them. I know I only had one trick-or-treater. I was so disappointed. This huge bowl of candy. So it's people sort of throwing away candy, getting them to... Uh, community organizations. Next, you're doing winter warmth. So uh-huh. all your old scarves and hats and jackets where you're upgraded. Maybe your kids have grown out of the right size. going to a couple of different great nonprofit organizations like Rose Haven, which is a day shelter for women and children. We're also working with ERCO. Yes. And ERCO is helping a lot of refugees who recently have come to Oregon from Afghanistan. But it changes every two weeks. And it can be anything from old dog collars and leashes for so the Oregon Humane Society to children's books going to kids' homes around the Portland community.
0: It's amazing. And, and I forgot to mention the biggest pet peeve of most of the people that listen to the show, which is clamshells. Most people can't recycle clamshells no matter where you live in the world. And so this is an opportunity for those to get picked up from your house and actually recycled, which is awesome. So,
1: 100%. And, you know, that clamshells, I think, is the prime example. Of the fact that our members are really the catalyst for the change that we're trying to create. You know, when I first launched Portland just about a year ago, we didn't have clamshells as part of our service because we were only operating in Seattle. And King County, picks up those plastic number one PT clamshells at curbside, so it wasn't really on Ra- Ridwell's radar. And as soon as I launched, it became abundantly clear that that was the pain point for so many people here in Oregon and here in Portland. And the guilt of when you buy a salad container or berry container of not having an option for that plastic. So it really put the pressure on on me, frankly, and Ridwell to find a good solution and you know, called dozens of recyclers across the state. And it took me finding a, a trade organization for number one PET thermoforms to hook me up with an amazing partner. they called Green Impact. They take all of the clamshells we get, they grind them down into food grade quality clamshell flakes, and then it gets extruded into new plastic. So you have companies like Driscoll's Berries that are now using 10% recycled clamshell flakes for every container they make, and they're hoping to get up to 50% within the next few years.
0: Amazing and Driscoll is I know a facility in Canby, Oregon that uses those thermoforms to to pack for Driscoll. So awesome! That's incredible. Well done. This is it's it's an amazing thing. Can you tell us where the overwrap film gets uh, used or sent to? Just out of interest.
1: Absolutely, and you know when I talk about overwrap film, plastic film, that is our number one category. And that I think speaks to packaging. If you're ordering clothes from almost any retailer store, it's going to arrive at your house in some type of flexible plastic packaging. Most of the items you buy, if you're buying a big thing of Costco toilet paper, you know, it's wrapped in plastic. We've had the Girl Scouts locally here reach out because all their pallets of cookies come wrapped in plastic. So 80% of our pickups, include this type of plastic. So huge category for us. And we get so much of it that we have a baler on site to bale it up into like 900 to 1200 pounds bales, and then ship them out in semi trucks. Since so you get 30 wow. odd bales, uh, which doesn't take that long to get. Unfortunately, it's it's pretty wild how much plastic packaging there is. It goes to a company called Trex. Trex is really cool because they're able to grind down all that plastic film mix it with wood chips, and turn it into composite lumber. So a lot of people buy Trex decking as, for their backyards here in the Pacific Northwest. And even the local Girl Scout troops I was working with, their Girl Scout camp uses Trex for the Girl Scout camp for a lot of the benches and different things. So it was a cool story to tell about that life cycle of the plastic film on their cookies and what it ter- gets turned into.
0: Amazing. And I, my understanding of Trex is they actually started in Oregon. So that's, this is a, this is a real Northwest victory for the environment here. This is exciting.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, I think that when you talk about treks, a lot of people across the Pacific Northwest are familiar with the company. And a lot of people I know have that decking in their backyards and it's much, much more long-term with the rain and moisture we get here than often wood decks are.
0: Yeah. So for people uh, who are listening, who aren't from the Northwest, it rains here all the time, <laughs> there's a reason it's so green. I grew up here, and we 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 call it uh, webbed feet. We're used to it. We're we're comfortable in the rain. Most people don't have umbrellas; they have hoods, and that's just the Oregon nor- Northwest way, I should say. But yeah, trex is an amazing deck or material because it lasts forever. You just have to pressure wash it, you know, every five ten years, and it's great. So what an awesome alternative to wood and for building materials. Well done. I I was in my local grocery store today and there was a drop-off bin for plastic material and it said, recycle your plastics here and then we'll turn it into trex decking. So that's cool too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that that gets to one of the the points about Ridwall is there's no secret here. We are <laughs> often taking things that you you can go and drop off here in Portland. If you wanted to, you could drive to Tigard in Agilex every time you have any polystyrene or the kind of styrofoam stuff. You could then drive to a different location for your batteries and light bulbs and a grocery store for your plastic film and then call and talk to local nonprofits and you have extra eyeglasses or Halloween candy and but, but the the idea though is that It's so much effort and work for individuals to keep up on. And it's a lot of driving around with multiple vehicles across the city. And depending on where you live, your vehicle situation, you may not have that readily available access to really stay on top of those things. And in addition, when it comes to nonprofits, you'd be hard pressed to recreate every single category they were able to do here on those individual relationships. And so, what I love about Ridwell is the collective community impact, you know, by Children's Book Bank is a great example. During COVID, they were getting fewer donations of books. And that's because they had to up the security. You make things safe. You needed to have an appointment to come drop off books. You you needed to wait in this line. There's all these different things that are a hassle. And so people weren't doing them. And they're a phenomenal organization. You know, there's areas in the U.S. where there's one book for every 300 kids in a neighborhood. And by the time that kid gets to preschool, They are outpaced by children that have dozens of books in their household and one-on-one reading time and availability and access to to reading resources. So their big push is to get home libraries in every home and really work with underserved communities. When you're prioritizing food or books, you're going to prioritize food. So how do we get access to books for kids? And they were looking at having to cut some of their summer programming due to lack of donations. Back in April this year, we only had a couple thousand members, but with a two-week pickup, we delivered over 10,000 books to Children's Book Bank. And they were not only able to fulfill all of the work they want to do this summer, but expand some of their programming. And that's an ongoing partnership we have. Um, and each home might have given us two or three books, but collectively to deliver an impact over 10,000 books after just two weeks of work on our end was game-changing for a local community organization here. And so I think that's what's the, the cool thing about Ridwell's. is. Three million pounds is a, it's a lot to divert from the landfill and no individual could do it. But collectively through our membership, people can, you know, as long as you do your small part, it really adds up when you look at the big picture.
0: 100%, 100%. And when you're expanding to new areas, I've heard the number 100. You need about 100 people in an area. Is that—is that pretty true to to kind of get the service started, assuming it's near Another one?
1: <laughs> sure. So, you know, when we're looking at expanding service, once again, that really is um, driven by people. You know, how many people are interested? And so we we're mindful of our carbon footprint. We don't want to, when we were first launched, we didn't want to go to Hillsboro to go to 25 homes across that entire area. The number the number actually varies neighborhood by neighborhood. So we look at what we call SFDUs, single family dwelling units. So how many people could potentially sign up for a Ridwell service in that area? And then we look at what is 1% or 2% of that population look like. Just a small percentage. For smaller neighborhoods, it might be 100. Before I launched Vancouver, that was 800. So they had a much larger goal to hit before we could launch. And so we really scale it to fit the size, scope, and population density of that area that we want to serve.
0: Incredible. And I know some, sometime down in the future, you may be able to do multifamily dwelling units. Is that, is that something you've considered or schools?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're considering it all right now. As we grow, <laughs> right. uh, The more that we expand, the more there's a realization of how much need is out there for people who want to waste less. When it comes to multifamily, I'll say now we have several thousand members in Portland who do live in apartment complexes and are members. So that's that's something that's already available to people in, in Portland, we, especially those like exterior facing apartment buildings. What we're trying to look into is how do we scale up to those big apartment buildings downtown? So we're not serving parts of downtown Portland right now because it's exclusively giant high rises where you might have only 45 seconds of access to the elevator. You need a specific key fob. So we are 100% looking into what's the best way to scale up for those buildings and does it look like instead of having you have a five in a person apartment complex, there's a lot of bins sitting outside of <laughs> doors. So what does it look like to maybe have gigantic receptacles in the basement or the trash area where there's 50 gallon drums for people to put their plastic film in? and there it's maybe built into the HOA at a slightly lower cost. And then we use a larger vehicle, on a specific route to go pick them up. We tested a few pilots in Seattle and it's actually going fairly well. So, something that's very top of mind, my entire objective this first year in Portland frankly has been keeping up with growth. When we started a year ago, it was it was just me delivering bins and now we have 45 members in our staff here and over 18,000 members. So, you know, now that we've kind of had that first push across most of the Portland metro area, I'm excited for 2022 looking at what other options can we do what does it look like to try and service large apartment complexes
0: it's it's an amazing problem that that people want to use your service so much like that that is awesome to hear that you can't keep up with demand right now is is frankly a good problem because that means that you guys will continue to grow and that the you know it, the focus on recycling will continue to be there in in this area and hopefully many others. Exciting.
1: So I I think that reuse, recycle ethos just resonates with people here in Portland and people in Oregon. I think the fires and the smoke we dealt with as a community last fall was eye-opening. I think recent elections, people are talking more about climate change. It's becoming ever-present as we talk about our weather patterns in Especially in COVID, people were cooped up in their homes, surrounded by all this packaging that they were having to order things in. And I, you know, I I really do think it's, to me, it's an incredible testament that people like, you know, not everything can be collected at curbside. We think of Ritwell as very complimentary and and hoping to fill in those gaps. And so the fact that people are not only doing their normal city recycling, but then on top of that, came to be a member doing the active commitment of Pre-sorting their their items into bags for us and just being really conscious community members um, is an incredible, incredible problem to have when it comes to growth. You know, I feel like I've been tied to a rocket ship that won't run out of fuel. And I see it as very promising for our community here and for Riddle's ability to continue to expand.
0: 100%. There's There's been a lot of really exciting companies that have launched during these last couple of years with the environmental changes. For example, Anna Louise Jewelry, one of our sponsors, they are totally carbon neutral. And uh, one of the first jewelry brands to do th- something like that, which is incredible. Powell's Books, I grew up doing the, in my industry, doing their packaging. And they are they were actually one of the first companies that ever told me about sustainability. And they said, listen, kid, we're going to be sustainable like it or not. So help us figure it out. <laughs> and this is 19 years ago when I started as a rookie in, in the packaging industry. So it's been cool to, to grow up in the, in the North. Northwest where sustainability is a uh, way of life.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think Washington recently passed legislation to prohibit the use yeah. of poly in their packaging, which is incredible. You know, I bought a vacuum last year and <laughs> the amount of polystyrene, you know, by a TV, any of those things, it's, it's wild how much packaging there is. So I think it's it's got to be a twofold effort. I think companies really need to commit and think about what packaging they're And I think thinking about, is there an end market for this packaging? Clamshells is a great example. We only take clear number one plastic. Right. And not all clamshells are clear in color. One of the biggest contaminants you get from members accidentally is those takeout containers of a clear lid and a black bottom. And there's a lot of other, you know, from hummus containers to everything else that have tinted plastic. They have a recycle symbol on them. They are technically recyclable, but there's no end market. They can't, you know, they grind down our clamshells to clamshell flakes. They can't extract that dye back out. And companies like Driscoll's want to be able to have a clear container to put their berries in. And so really when I go to the store now and I'm seeing multiple options that are number one plastic, I'm going to choose the clear plastic versus the tinted because I know that there is an actual end market and a result you can get on the recycling side when you go with the clear plastic versus tinted.
0: Absolutely. That clear plastic is very desirable. A friend of mine runs a PET recycling facility in South Africa. And he said they can't even keep up with demand for post-consumer recycled material because of the extended producer responsibility laws that are taking effect. So these large companies, like you were mentioning, Driscolls wants to be at 50% PCR. Well, that's happening in other parts of the world by mandate. Or these large companies or or smaller companies too are setting goals for themselves saying, listen, we're going to be at 50% or 60% PCR by 2030. Well, how do you accomplish that? You need a whole bunch of recycled material. So this is going to make your job even hopefully easier because it'll be more popular amongst the world to recycle, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And the partner we work with, Green Impact, similarly says they're having a hard time keeping up the demand because companies like Organigirl, they're 100 percent recyclable containers now. You know, there's that drive and push for companies to hit those individual goals. And part of it's because consumers are pressuring them to to try and be more sustainable as well, which is awesome. So, you know, they need that feedstock to be able to create those containers from recycled materials versus virgin plastic.
0: Amazing. You told me a story before we went on air that I think is really exciting. Can you tell me about the clothes recycling that that you guys did where you turned them into a new product?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is actually really exciting. It's a company called Reef Lease. They're on the East Coast. And what they work to do is take textile, old fabric and clothing and turn it into upcycled fashion. And it, the the clothing and the items have a very unique look because it's kind of a hodgepodge of different colors and fabrics. And so we did a pilot with them early last year around February in Seattle and in Portland where we asked our members, do you have Jackets, you don't want to give to Goodwill or you don't want to donate because they a sleeve is ripped or there's a big stain on it. Or the zipper's non-functioning and it's a lot of bulky material to put in your garbage. And you may not have a good purpose for it, but you don't feel good donating it. So what's an alternative way to, to reuse that material? So Reeflease takes all those old types of, you know, it's from ski jackets and, and all the different variety of bulky winter wear that's in bad condition and then takes the usable bits of that fabric and then turns them into new products. So you might get a stylish tote bag that has 10 different colors from 10 different people's jackets. So we got that material back. It was made into fantastic products. They put a Ridwell logo on it. And then we said, let's just see if people are interested in upcycled fashion and if they're interested in buying things with their logo on it. And we thought, we'll first send it out to people who participate in this pilot. They get first choice. And then the rest of our members. Well, the rest of our members didn't get a chance because <laughs> it sold out within about half an hour from the pilot. So we're really thinking now when it comes to clothing, what can we do as far as products go that our members are interested in working with companies like Reakleys? So, so that instead of going out and buying a hoodie made with virgin cotton, what does it look like to buy a full outfit or clothing item made with upcycled materials that somebody no longer has use for and to really help? keep that circularity going with items versus new creation of items.
0: Awesome. Just, you know, it, it can be done and you guys are doing it. I'm, I'm so impressed with you and your company and everything about what you're doing is, is what we need right now. So thank you. <laughs> we appreciate this. So oftentimes I'll get pushed back on posts about people say, oh, recycling is not possible. It's not happening. It's dead. Not true. You guys are a key example of what's possible with recycling and what can happen if we work together to be positive impact on the world. Thank you.
1: Well, I I appreciate that. It's great to have the opportunity to chat. And I think I'm continually stunned how interested people are to talk about recycling. It's not the sexiest (laughs) topic, but there's, there's just so much interest being generated about it and people who are keenly interested to see what they can do on their part.
0: Thank you, Taylor. And thank you, Landsberg Aurora, for your continued support of this show. We appreciate your sponsorship. And if you're listening, please take a minute to review and share it with your friends so we can spread the word about Ridwell and about sustainable packaging. Again, thank you. Thanks. This episode is sponsored by SpecRite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed. When it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve. The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specwright.com backslash book. That's specrigh tcom backslash book.